Hello. All you nerds, all you geeks, all you weirdos, all you cheeseheads, all you Stroh's fans, all you con-goers, all you indoor kids, all you fan artists, all you fanficked authors, all you stalkers, all you trollers, all you in-4chaners, all you weirdos out there, all you ever typing out ever on the internet, this is for you. This show is called Nerd Love. I am your host, giant-ass nerd, Brenda Valdivia. My credits include refusing to wear any dress but a pink dress because that's my princess toadstool dress. And that was the only way I could go to church. My other credits include refusing to leave my bedroom until I was done marathoning every episode of Batman the Animated Series. I was 27. My other credits include refusing to quit a job because it was the only place I could write fan fiction. It wasn't very good. The only reason I wasn't fired is because my parents owned the business. My other credits include that the first time I ever went on a plane was to go to Otakon, the largest anime convention in the United States at the time. My other credits include that most fan fiction that I wrote and was drawn of me was from my friends about me, to me. It still exists. My other credits include the dress that I'm wearing right now. I am Lumpy Space Princess, my inner guiding light, a brilliant creature that will live out in the woods when it has a perfectly safe home because she feels like being a mature person. I'm 32. Let's do this. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, Tonight's theme show, tonight's theme is Intro to Fandom 101. My very special guest is Chris Skelton. Give it up. Hi, everyone. Hey, hi, Chris. Hello. So... Uh, if you've never met Chris Skelton, he's a fantastic artist, and well, he's an actor and improviser. He's one. Of, he's the very first improvised show I've ever seen in Houston. He was so That's fantastic. True. I thought he was. It was all scripted. And Shut the fuck up. Keep talking. <laughs> and uh, he was also a manager at a comic book store for many, many years. Got that right. Yeah, so how did you get started with them? How did I get started with? Yeah, how did you get started? How did you uh, what, what I gave them you? a lot of money and then I and then they gave, decided to give me some. Oh, did you have a box? Oh, absolutely. Better Bedrock City Comic Company. Woo! Some people are fans. I love that. Uh, I walked in there when I was 13 for the first time and it was because my 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 parents played pool at the Slick Willies next door. Oh, shit. I remember that place. And they were like, 
And they were like, hey, well, there's a comic book store over there. And I, I, at the time, I was already reading pretty pretty heavily. What was your main, what was your main swag? Superman oh. was the thing that I only and ever read pretty much until I was 13. And I would go to the Randalls that my mom would shop at uh, for our sustenance. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she would drop me off at the magazine rack that had the comics. And I would sit there and read Superman and buy Superman comics pretty much the entire day while she shopped at this grocery store in Sharpstown. Uh, and and then when she was like, there's a comic book store, and she gave me 18 bucks, and I went to the comic book store, and it was like, oh, oh my God. Like just, I, all I was doing was just like grabbing stuff. And like <laughs> I remember like being in this fog of just like walking around and just like, picking up this and picking up that and when I got to the gas register it was like 68 bucks and I had $18 (laughs) and so the guy carefully like helped me pare down my selections and then I was like okay well I know I need $68 the next time I go in there so I saved all my money from like mowing lawns and like watching people's dogs and fish and the next time I went in there I had 75 bucks and I felt like a king and so I was just fucking grabbing shit, grabbing. And then it was $102 worth of stuff. <laughs> and that happened pretty much on Every a loop single time. for years until I had, like, a massive collection. And pretty much the day I turned 16, I asked them for a job. And they kept saying, no, 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 no. And I, went, I graduated from high school. I went to college. I came back from college. And one day I was working at the Alley Theater and I had my box, and one day she was the one magical day. Uh, Leanne was the name of my comic book lady, and she was like, "Hey, do you need a job?" And I was like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, I do need a job." <laughs> and that's how it happened. Oh, sweet. Uh, oh God. So I think we went. We discovered comics through the very same comic book store because if it's the one on Westheimer, Westheimer and Hillcroft, Hillcroft. Yeah. sweet. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. So the one that's in town on Washington in Shepherd, yeah, I opened that store. Oh, yeah, I was the assistant manager. You're welcome. I basically, yeah, I co- I told the guy when I found out they were building it, I was like, "You're gonna let me assistant manage it," and he was like, "What?" And I was like, a, just like a peon at the time, and I was like, "Yeah, but you're gonna let me assistant manage it. I'm gonna open it with you." And he was like, uh, "Okay," <laughs> and so yeah, so you're welcome. Yeah, uh, I uh, I'm actually I went to high school very close by in walking distance to that store. Um, That's where my dad went to school. (laughs) But I was actually I actually lived on the east side, um, and I went over to just because I wanted to get the fuck away from my original school. Um, So I went over there and I became friends with a lot of the goth and the stoner kids because I was a theater nerd. Yeah. um, Who I read Shakespeare and uh, and one of the stoner nerds is like, hey, let's go get fucked up and let's go to Bedrock Comics. And I was like, I'm too much of a nerd to do that. (laughs) When when you're in high school, it's like, let's go do mundane things, but fucked up. Yeah. So on. 
stuff so, like, that we can find. My first experience ever going to Bedrock Comics was like following two stoners that are jumping over fences <laughs> and like shimmying through alleyways. Meanwhile, walking down the main road, like not doing any of the fun ninja shit they're doing. Because I'm, I'm like, by that point, I was like, I'm in this body and I'm not going to do anything with it. <laughs> so <laughs> We're going to a comic book store. <laughs> so, so I'm I not remember jumping, just show up sweaty to the comic book store. And oh, oh yeah, like you know they're like doing ollies and shit. One of them had a skateboard, and he just knew how to do a ollie. And um, and we walked in, just ollieing all the way to the <laughs> st- down the street, just like ollie, ollie. <laughs> so we we go in, and it's the same experience, but it was on a Tuesday. Which if you don't know. Uh, about comic books, Tuesday is comic book day. Well, okay, so Wednesday is the actual comic book day. But Tuesday, Tuesday is the bullshit day when comic books arrive and like nobody's in the store and like you have to like. I remember this being on a Tuesday. It, well, it was a Wednesday. If, there, if, if, if it was new comic book day, it was a I'm Wednesday. A, so again, this is Fandom One Hundred and One. I'm still learning shit. <laughs> uh, but I remember going in there and having the same experience, and I think I spent. Um, I had money at the time because I was already I was working by the time I was like five, six years old in my parents' uh, corner store. Um, And then I remember blowing an extraordinary amount of money and just crying when I got home. I was like, what am I going to do with all this stuff? Then I read it and I felt a lot better. Yeah, read it. That's what you're going to do. And then uh, I so what ended up happening is like this little collective in my high school we'd all buy different comic books and we'd all share it. And at that point Johnny the Homicidal Maniac started coming out. <laughs> Woo! Thanks for the The one Johnny fan. Person. Come on, Johnny the Homicidal. Nobody else was goth? Nobody knew this show. So this show was um, this show was the, by the creator Invader Zim before Invader Zim whatever was conceived. Tiny jo- clap jo- from the jo- other Jonin. person. It, he had a weird name. It was like Jonan, Jonan Vasquez. Jonan Vasquez. There, there we go. go. And it was like, it started with like J-H-O-N-E-N was how you, was that what the first name was Yeah, called? yeah, yeah. So I had a friend of mine named John at the time, so I just like spelled his name with an H because, you know, high school. Because, you know. Um, but what ended up happening is this little black market of comic books started sprouting up in my high school because that that comic was banned. It's it's extremely violent. It's uh, about a murder, murdering people. Um, we did not have those same rules at Sharpstown. <laughs> so, I, th- I think it wasn't so much the content because everybody was already um, from broken families at that point. But uh, it's, just, it's just like a trigger warning. But <laughs> like, if you read this, you might be reminded of your life. I think it was more so much that... People were just reading them in class. They were they yeah. were just a nuisance. Um, so we started uh, sharing them in school, and girls would walk up to me and they're like, "Oh my god, I heard that you have all those like really bad comics, and I don't I don't want my boyfriend to read them, but I think I need to read them." before he does so I know what he's talking about so like this underground the future moms of America let's <laughs> 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 get together I need to read these before my boyfriend dies because <laughs> if, if I need to make sure they're approved for him if you went to Lee there were already the moms of America <laughs> like there were <laughs> teen pregnancy joke no. Houston Independent School District <laughs> Um, but I, you know, I don't regret the life choices that I made, but I, I do wonder how poor 
how much money I could have saved if I went in another direction. It was an interesting – so, like, for me, it was, like, there were, like, three rounds of baby having, right? So, so it was, like, when you first got – when I first got MySpace, I was, like, 21, oh. right? And it was, like, holy shit, every girl that is friend of me on MySpace who was from my high school has a kid. Like, <laughs> holy shit. And it was always, like, oops, when they were 18, 19, 20. And I remember. So that was that round, and then twenty six was like when people started like having kids for love, like, <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, oh man, and now it's like wave three of the people who like became successful in their careers and now are having kids. That just I literally came back a from a baby shower today of people who planned their child. Yeah, this they is the like they planned a baby and the, it happened on purpose. And in, Q- in Q4 we're going to start having a baby. Ugh. Like yeah, fucking yeah, no. We're going to so. show it and it's oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do remember in high school there was this one girl who two guys were furious with cuz it was it was in theater tech class and they were assi- assembling some sort of stage prop and she's just sitting there and this one guy gets fed up and he just says why isn't she helping she's just been sitting there she's been sitting there for the past three weeks and she just stands up and slaps her shirt against it and all of a sudden you see a eighth month pregnant belly just pop out of a giant t-shirt and he goes uh 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 and she's like, yeah, shut up. Put that stage, put that stage together, Hashtag bitch. male privilege. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, um, oh, God. We've, oh, God, I've spent so much money. I've, I've wasted. Shall I tell you the nerdiest thing I've done, probably? Yeah, please. So, I have a tattoo. On this arm, right? Ew. And it's more. Did you just say you? No, I said <laughs> oh. ew. Uh, so um, a lot of there's a lot going on in this tattoo, uh, and I don't talk about uh, all of it all the time because people don't ask, and I'm get kind of annoyed that they don't ask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it cost me like a 500 bucks in like two months of my life. Um, you know, so I like it's all like parts from my life, and everybody always recognizes the Texas and the nine because I told them I played baseball and shit like that, and they, that's graspable and cool. Okay. This is from a computer game called The Longest Journey, which is an adventure game that nobody has heard of I, outside of the internet that will later hear this podcast. People will be like, The Longest Journey! I've so, never heard of it. Never that. heard of it. What it, is it? It owes a lot to Neil Gaiman. Oh, nice. It owes more than a fair share of things to Neil Gaiman, but it's this like sci-fi fantasy adventure game where you play this college student named April Ryan who oh. finds out that she has the ability to to teleport to a Lord of the Rings esque world, uh. and she lives in the she actually lives in twenty second century. <laughs> Oh. Anyway, it's really fucked up. But that's oh. not even the nerdiest part of this. Oh. Okay. It's, see, these markings right here uh, is uh, Kryptonian, which is the, <laughs> the, the, the... It's the language from Superman's home planet, uh, which you can download. You, was- you can download the Windows <laughs> font. It's actually somebody made a font for w- Microsoft Word. I'll be honest. I always thought it was a friendship bracelet that you put around your... <laughs> your 
so it's pretty amazing. It's not like it. It's not like Elvish, which has its own like conjugation, and you yeah. can learn to speak it and shit. It's just this was A, this is B, this is C. So like whatever. the Futurama substitution. So, but if you're reading like a Superman comic book and they're speaking in Kryptonian, you could translate it if you want to find out what they're talking about. That's pretty sweet. Like. It's 26. It's literally like, this is what letter A is. This is what letter B is. This is what letter C is. I would l- it wouldn't be hilarious if it translated into Spanish, so it had an A-A. That'd be beautiful. I, would l- I wish that was happening. This whole time. What's this one? This is Inye. This is... <laughs> But the Just quote, to throw people off. The quote is from a Marvel comic book. What does it say? Which so it's so it's a quote from <laughs> so it's a qu- <laughs> oh, so it's a quote weird. from a Marvel comic book in a DC comic book language. Who who's the quote from? It's what from character? a book called Shield, and oh. it 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 supposes that the organization that is. So famous, sure. uh, run by Nick Fury and Do you et know the, the full title, Shield? Oh, fuck. No. <laughs> strategic, <laughs> strategic Homeland. I don't know. Does anybody know? Hold on. Who? Do you know it? Okay, never mind. But I think it might be like Strategic <laughs> Homeland Intelligence Executive Division or something. Yeah. Or the, lo, logi- Executive and Logistics Division or something to that effect. Good anyway. Enough. Yeah, it, it was like you were you knew what you were trying to form already. <laughs> like, don't tell me you named that and then we're like, "Oh, it's just called Shield." Interesting. <laughs> what an accident. Uh, but it it's it supposes that the organization has secretly existed since ancient Egypt and has been defending the earth against alien threats and everybody that's super fucking cool has been in the member of the shield so like leonardo da vinci was in shield Wait. and like like galileo first defeated galactus in renaissance rome with a space ray gun <laughs> and stuff like that and their slogan like their tagline uh is the quote which is this is not how the world ends <laughs> which is like that's, the most badass thing i'd ever read in my entire life sweet. Like, and they speak it so confidently, like, they're like, no, this isn't how the world ends. And you're like, you're about to battle Galactus! How do you know for certain this is not how the world ends? He eats worlds. Yeah. He, that's, what the, that's what he does. That's his whole thing. So there's a you're character. You're Galileo. You, you just found know. out that the Earth navigates around the sun. You're not fucking Jesus. You're, you're Galileo, for fuck's sake. How are you going <laughs> to... <laughs> <laughs> but so he did which, it. He beat which, rid- which brings me to my next point. There's something. There's a core. Look, I know it's silly to dress up in purple and then like hang out and get drunk with your friends. Hold, silly, I'm getting to something. It's, so silly. <laughs> it's too silly. <laughs> but there, there is a core internal reaction. There, there's a connection that you can make with comics and pop culture and Doctor Who and Star Wars, Star Trek sports there's a story there that you can't you can't replicate in any other format it has to be fantasy it has to be imagination because if you try to tell a a story about a man who struggles against an uh, immovable force when he's powerless and he's lost his wife that can be a tragic story about a man who's who lost his spouse to to death that could be a story about divorce. That could be a story about something nuanced and day-to-day. But if you put that man fighting a god 
and you can still feel an emotional connection and something like deep internal for you or, or anybody else that's something special because not only are you living the emotional reaction of the situation but you're also transcending the day-to-day of your life yeah absolutely yeah so that's why i made the show that's why i'm talking to you and i think that's why fandom exists because any guy could write a story about a man in spandex who gets powered by the sun uh, <laughs> and is as powerful as about to any break out into a matchbox 20 song <laughs> And it's one of the most powerful beings on a planet and to the point that it's ridiculous to any other character on that same planet as him and still somehow be relatable. That's extraordinary. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, some stories are more relatable than others. Oh, that's for sure. True. I mean, you know, well, I mean, especially when you're doing like monthly comics and you realize that there has been a new Superman story that has come out once a month since 1938. Like, you, there's definitely going to be some shitty storytelling somewhere in the middle of there. And spinoffs and, like, and crossovers. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, and it's all second act, too. Like, if you imagine, like, a th- like three acts of a play or, or five acts or whatever. Like, you imagine Hamlet, right? Like, what if Hamlet was, like, perennially stuck in the, like, section of the play where he... With the play within the play, yeah, where like he freaks out the king because he's like, "I know that you killed my father," <laughs> and you just stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker, if you ain't seen Hamlet, <laughs> shit, man, I gotta tell you some shit. It's been around for uh, yeah, I no, uh, yeah, and it, 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 so that to me, so it's like, yeah, like. Like Batman can't kill the Joker, right? Like because then you don't have the Joker anymore as a character to use. But and you don't. Have or Batman. but if you do kill the Joker, you have to bring him back from the dead. <laughs> and now death is like meaningless in comic books because of that. Because they're like, what if we killed Wolverine? And then it's like, well, then you can't tell Wolverine stories anymore, and that's a lot of your money <laughs> that you've lost. So just wait a couple of years for his clone to come out. Yeah, yeah. Or his cyborg clone. Well, actually, right now in comics, the regular Wolverine is dead, and a an old man future version of Wolverine is the only Wolverine that's currently in Marvel continuity from an alternate universe. Oh. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and it was like, so the, the original story was called Old Man Logan, and it was this guy who is literally ripping off Unforgiven. And just decided that it, Unforgiven now stars Wolverine as the Clint Eastwood character. And the Morgan Freeman character will be played by Hawkeye because why the fuck not? Like, and it's written by the guy who writ, wrote Kick-Ass, you know, so obvious. Fantastic movie in comic book. Sure. Um, <laughs> all uh, right. All right. Let's. <laughs> so he writes this thing and... Uh, and and whatever it's fine. There's like a dinosaur that is that Venom is possessing and is chasing. There's Venom dinosaurs. There's like an inbred Hulk family. Like there's, there's an in, hold on. There's an yeah, inbred yeah. Hulk family. Yeah yeah. Bruce Banner like the gamma radiation finally got to his head, so he became like he him and She Hulk got it on and have this like. Oh. Fucked up like hillbilly like so with like cannibal like cousin right yeah his cousin oh yeah yeah, yeah. so wait she Hulk agreed to this I don't know oh what 
<laughs> oh, that's the worst <laughs> answer. It's terrifying. Oh. It's terrifying. Anyway, so they decided, well, we made so much money and it was so popular. Let's instead let's kill off regular Wolverine and put the Clint Eastwood Wolverine into the regular Marvel Universe. Oh. My buddy Andrew is like, it's such a good comic, Chris. You've got to... It's so good. So many conversations in comic book stores happen this way. You gotta read this, man. Like, this I don't is know, the best man. one. He fucks She-Hulk. <laughs> Hulk fucks She-Hulk. I don't oh. know if I can read it. Ugh. That sounds really... Du- Listen to the words you're saying. Oh. Hulk, there's a Venom dinosaur. A oh. two-year-old thought that was awesome. Yeah. A 32-year-old, yeah, not so much dot com. There's so there's so many like alternate worlds and and, and that's a, for me that's the biggest problem cuz I grew up with anime and I grew up with like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z. I didn't get into comic books until I was like later my late teens and even then I was like more into indie comics. So it was all like closed worlds. And there's a fantastic comic out there uh called Strangers in Paradise. And That's actually written by a Houstonian. Houstonian. It takes Terry place, Moore, Terry writer Moore. and artist. So here's the thing about Terry Moore. So when I was in high school, that was one of the comic books that came up, and I mentioned it to a teacher. Now, I've always been a shitty student. Let's just get this out of the way. I've always been a terrible student. I had undiagnosed ADD for years. Um, and I told her about this comic, and she took a look at it, and it stars two female characters named Kachu and Francine, beautifully drawn, some of the best artwork in any comic ever. Um, so I mentioned this to her, and then two weeks later, she walks up to me. Her name is Miss Vadva, and she walks up to me, and she says, uh, Terry Moore is coming to your school, and he's going to sit in your classroom, and he's going to talk to you about comics. Terry That's dope as shit. This is the dopest shit ever. It made me the most popular girl for about an hour. Um, but Terry Moore shows up and he walks in with a huge stack of his own comic books that he just had at home. And uh, it was a trade issue of when Kachu and Francine were in high school and how their friendship developed. Now, it's n- not a comic for children. It, it is very much of its time, too, because it was like the mid-90s. Oh, so like, 90s. if you were a fan of, like, Clerks or, like, yeah. you know, that type of, like, Reality Bites or, or, like, Empire Records or something, like, you would love the shit out of this comic book. Because it's basically like the, like slackers yeah. or like swingers or and not swingers. That's and it's like one of my first introductions slackers. to like uh, to queer fandom too, because it it deals with a, a gay woman and a woman who's not quite sure, and there's like all these expectations of marriage and what it means to be a woman. And and f- for the longest time, I thought ter- Terry Moore was a woman. No, Terry Moore. He's a little bitty white man with a, a ball, with like a perfectly bald like <laughs> he looks like every computer science teacher you've ever had in your life, you've ever seen in your life. I'm sure he'll if he's listening. I'm sorry, Terry, uh, but you look like a computer science teacher. Thank you for uh, showing up my class, Terry Moore. So he shows. I'm gonna up. find that boy and I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> he shows up. He hands out all these comic books and he talks to us, and he tells us something that has affected me my entire life. He tells a story about how he was working in television and he was completely miserable. He miserable and he punch in every morning, he clock out every night and he just he was suicidal. He he just hated it. 
but it paid the bills. And then one day, at the age of 45, he just said, I'm done. And he just went home, quit overnight. I don't even think he left a two-week notice and just picked up a pen and started drawing. That's it. That's all he started doing. I didn't know that. No, yeah. And what hit me the most was that this guy could have told us anything. He could have told us to, like, work hard, stay in school, listen to your parents. But he told me something that very rarely kids hear, which is trust your gut. Trust your instincts. Tell, Remind yourself that this is your life. And if you're you're not happy with it, then why are you doing it? Nobody else is going to live this life for you. That's some stone cold advice. Any of y'all thinking about quitting your job? Quit your motherfucking job. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, absolutely. So, um, Find thanks. something else. To do. I'm a petroleum. You know, I had a conversation with somebody just yesterday who was a petroleum engineer who's deciding that he's going to start making whiskey and that's going to be his life. So, yeah. you know... <laughs> Lesson Quit your four. fucking job. <laughs> I don't care that we need petroleum engineers. So, um, you shine. And if you're not going to quit your job, I understand. You got kids to feed, whatever. But at least quit it. Quit your fucking job. <laughs> you got you got kids. Quit your job. So, um, but we do have some examples of people who didn't quit their day job, or rather, they shouldn't have, and. Um, one of them, this is, uh, again, this theme is Fandom 101. It's just an introduction. And one of my favorite topics of fandom is um, fan fiction. Now, any little kid who's ever picked up a pen well, has written fan fiction. It's just fiction. I absolutely <laughs> wrote fan fiction. And I, I, wrote fa- I wrote some awful fan fiction. About what? <laughs> Which series? It was, about a com- it was about a computer game. It was not the longest journey, but it was in the same genre. It was called Quest for Glory. It was made by a company called Sierra Online, which was the the game company in the 80s and 90s for the PC Master Race. Uh, and they would do what's called adventure games, where it's just like very story-driven. And the, their probably most popular title was a title called King's Quest. They always had quests oh. in the name. Yeah, fuck yeah, King's Quest, and uh, yeah, you were. Oh, that's, dude, uh, that was Lucas Arts. That was Lucas Arts. That, 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 that was Lucas Arts. That was their rival uh, game. But Sam and Max also kicked a lot of. I had to break into my brother's computer so many times to play that game. Yeah, yeah, but and yeah. So Sierra, make... and it was like you would die just for no reason whatsoever. In I remember Sierra games. spending three hours one day just making. Um, Sam cry because he couldn't pick up an object. <laughs> just out of frustration. <laughs> you malicious person. You're like, just like, I can't pick that up. I can't pick that up. I can't. And then he just starts sobbing because he couldn't interact with an object. Yeah, oh, yeah. so good. But yeah, so I wrote, so it was Quest for Glory and you were in the hero business. Like there was, a, like in this world, hero, heroing was like a career choice you could choose. Like you knew he was, he went, he had a correspondence school, like, which was, the pre-internet version of taking online classes. So he basically did like online classes and how to be a hero. <laughs> like, so you would take like sword fighting 101, like push-ups for dummies or whatever. And then he would like, okay, well I got my college degree. 
from the famous adventurers correspondent school for heroes <laughs> and then i then you would just go to these different towns and like try to save i wrote fan fiction oh, based God. on that so the the most uh well-known fan fiction it comes from star trek star trek had a great idea that they would let anybody write in any script they wrote and they would accept it and they would read it it was a did it, it really a, start with Star Trek? Yes. Uh, well, like script-wise. Yeah. They would take anybody's script, so that's what really blew up the market. Made um, me love it and anymore. 50th this, anniversary, by the way. On Friday, it was the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. So, and the uh, Facebook icons were so cute. Yeah, I have one on mine. And um, there is this one girl who was notorious for sending... She sent over 50 scripts to Star Trek. The, it was only on the air for two years. Three years. Three years. And um, she was 15 years old, and her name was Mary Sue. Um, she was so famous that they ended up writing, uh, this magazine ended up writing a fan article about her um, because, they're, unfortunately, they had to destroy the script she turned in. But we do have an example that will be read by the lo- lovely Laura Helmers if she'll just step right up. Come on up, I'm Laura. so excited for this. We're about to get some like Star Trek fan fiction up in here. Yeah. God, I'm is so fucking. I'm okay, there we go. Yeah. Okay, so this is called A Trekkie's Tale by Paula Smith. Gee golly gosh, Glorsky, thought Mary Sue as she stepped on the bridge of the Enterprise. Here I am, the youngest lieutenant in the fleet, only 15 and a half years old. Captain Kirk came up to her. Oh, lieutenant, I love you madly. (laughs) (laughs) Will you come to bed with me? Captain, I am not that kind of girl. You're right, and I respect you for it. Here, take over the ship for a minute while I go get some coffee for us. Mr. Spock came onto the bridge. What are you doing in the command seat, Lieutenant? The captain told me to. Flawlessly logical. I admire your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Mr. Scott beamed down with Lieutenant Mary Sue to Rigel 37. They were attacked by green androids and thrown into prison. In a moment of weakness, Lieutenant Mary Sue revealed to Mr. Spock that she, too, was half Vulcan. Dun-dun-dun. Recovering quickly, she sprung the lock with her hairpin, and they got away back to the ship. Back on bo- But back on board, Dr. McCoy and Lieutenant Mary Sue found out that the men who had beamed down were seriously stricken by the jumping gold robbies. Mary Sue, less so. While the four officers languished in sickbay, Lieutenant Mary Sue ran the ship and ran it so well she received the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> also, the Vulcan Order of Gallantry and the, Trauma- the Tralfamadorian Order of Good Guyhood. Yeah, give it up for Mary Sue. I want that. Seriously. Yeah, thank you. She's great. Uh, however,. The disease finally got to her, and she fell fatally ill. In the sick bay, as she breathed her last, she was surrounded by Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Mr. Scott, all weeping unashamedly at the loss of her beautiful youth 
and youthful beauty. <laughs> also her intelligence, capability, and all-around niceness. Even to this day, her birthday is a national holiday of the Enterprise. Thank you. Thank you, Laura Helmer. That's legit. Yeah, so... Can I say, I, I, have to, I have to make a moment. So when I worked at Bedrock, there was a, a guy who was the first person that I ever knew you could be a quote-unquote cool nerd because this coworker, his name is Derek, and he was this like big dude. He was probably like six foot four, uh, uh, African American guy, and he was and he was like pretty much like he was the coolest guy I'd ever met in my life. And he served in the Navy, and he got off. His idea of the most relaxing evening you could have was no shit. Was he'd sit on his couch with a handle of like taka gin. And a big bottle of grapefruit juice in this hand. And any episode of Star Trek. Any episode. Any, like, Enterprise, Voyager, DS9, TNG, the original series, it didn't fucking matter. I just picture movie. slow jazz playing. He goes, oh, yeah. He was like, Ugh. So he had his, so, 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 <laughs> he Baby, named his kid, he named his kid Tiberius. <laughs> which is J- which is Captain Kirk's middle name. And he wanted to name the kid Tiberius James, which James obviously is his first name. This is to flip it around, Tiberius James. And his wife said no to James. <laughs> so his middle name is Julius. So his name is Tiberius Julius, Julius, Julius. Dixon. And he's the captain for short. <laughs> Oh God! Okay, um, so, so um, for for now, there's a a genre of fan fiction that's well known now, and it's called Mary Sue fan fiction, and it's kind of a negative term, negative it, it, because it, in order for it to be um, Mary Sue, it has to be a character that is basically the author, except perfect in every way. And usually dies at the end in a very dramatic and wonderful way. All the main characters worship her. She usually has a pet um, of some sort that's usually magical. Maybe the eyes change color depending on their mood. Sometimes they have wings. They're They're just incredibly special to the point that it just makes everything unreadable. However, we do have an example of Mary Sue fan fiction... Of Ned Gale, written by Ned Gale, about Ned Gale, read by Ned Gale. And we can have him to the stage, please. Ned Gale, Ned Gale. Hey, I'm, is this, okay. I'm Ned Gale, I guess. Yeah! Okay, so before we get into this, uh, this is a fan fiction I wrote. Uh, that I told on this stage many years ago, strangely enough. Uh, so I've told this many times, which makes me Are you back in time right now, Ned Gale? This is what? I'm bat in time. Uh, so, so <laughs> for, the, for those of you listening on the internet, he's wearing a Batman costume. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, this is actually, this is my uh, horny David Carradine uh, cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, that's a dark joke. But hey, tonight's a dark night. Uh, oh, oh, fuck off. Let me read this fan fiction. Okay. Ned so, Gales. You just earned every single groan in this room. <laughs> I want good, you to soak good, that good, groan. Soak no. up that groan. Okay, so let's cut the bullshit. This is a fan fiction I wrote about fucking myself. But let's not... <laughs> Let's not get weird here. Can can we actually call that slash fiction if it's just you having sex with yourself? Just for like slash slash. fiction. Okay, so uh, a little setup before we go into it. This takes place in a very uh, not so distant, maybe future world. And in this future world, there's only let's say in this future world, there's only forty thousand people. Okay? Now, there's still, like, billions and billions of bodies, but there's only 40,000 people. What this means is that when you go around, there's several duplicates. So there's several versions of you walking around. And, and in this future world, e- each one is different. So, so wait, wait, hold it. So there's 7 billion people in the world, but only 40,000 different types of people. Exactly. So, so there might be several Chris's walking around, but one's going to have his hair swooped the other way. Maybe he's a little taller. Maybe he's a little more stout. So it's, there's different variations, and these different variations reproduce with each other to create a more perfect version of that person. So that they're constantly working towards making that perfect Chris, making that perfect Ned, making that perfect Brenda. So okay? It's kind of like the Hulk family in yeah, Old ex- Man Logan. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> So, so you're, you're, you're going for this perfection, and it's to create this perfect society of people. So that's why it's not weird that I fuck myself. Okay. So once again, this is the future, okay? <clears throat> I was walking down from the local foiltorium when I saw me. It was a me I had never seen before. A different me than I was used to. He had a beard, just like mine. But it was fuller, richer, redder. His jorts swung in a fashion unlike all the others. All topped off with a non-ironic Lucifage-era Danzig t-shirt. I mean, this me looked good. So I approached me. I felt confident. I mean, I do know myself after all. Me was attempting to place a sticker on a dumpster when I approached I... Gotcha! I yelled, and he, or rather me, flipped around in that over-animated jerky way us Neds tend to move. He was relieved that it was him. Or, I mean, me. He was relieved that it was me. Us. Like I said, I was confident. I'm sure all of you have gathered by now that I'm one of the better Neds of the litter, okay? Perfectly sculpted, exceptional wit, and the ability to draw out a joke for far too long. I mean, I immediately pulled my trademark move. Can I fuck you? I said. Okay, me said, and it was off to the reproductive dome in my pod. We stepped inside of my place. He looked around. You have great taste. Yeah, we do. Both of us crack open a pample mousse that's grapefruit. LaCroix. I slinked over to the record player while Ned admired my freshly polished Simpsons figurines. Hans Molman was leading the pack tonight. That's when I dropped the needle. Yep, jazz-inspired protopunk, our favorite. He blushed, which of course made me blush. I wrapped my hands around his waist. I could feel the cold metal of his skull belt buckle. I like metal. He turned to me, or rather me to I, or I to him. We were looking at each other, us Neds. 
and he whispered, You're perfect. And I said, No, but let's make something perfect. Then we fucked. (laughs) It was super cool and hot. After the reproduction, we did make a new Ned. And he wasn't perfect, but I still got that sweet, sweet Ned. Thanks, guys. Thank you very That's much. That's so beautiful. Ned Gill, everybody. Oh, it's all you out there. If you guys want to wildly draw that fan fiction. I could, like, envision that pod. Like, I, I that reproduction pod, like, in your dome. Like, I, the... Yeah, I can, too. Like, it looks honeycombed. It some, yeah, it was some beautiful imagery. Yeah. Really. And then you fucked. You should keep writing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, So we do have one final bit, one special surprise. This is another bit of fan fiction. It's a fan script uh, written for Sex in the City. Before I bring our special cast up, I just want to thank... Chris Skelton for joining us on stage. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for having me. If you want to see Chris Skelton perform, he performs uh, every Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. I'm on the the house troupe, the Space Cat Labs presents uh, show at eight thirty at Station Theater at Which one is the two place three you're zero zero Houston Avenue for the listening audience. <laughs> you Google you it, you'll find it. I swear to God. <laughs> People uh, here in the crowd, they already know what's up. Thank you again, Chris Skelton. Thank you so much for joining Thank you. us. Welcome, ladies. I present to you Manda, Ruth, Meredith, Laura, Ned. So this is Sex and the Post-Apocalyptic Prison Colony, written by Emily Whitmore. Ever since New York melted off the face of the earth, the world's savviest and sexiest singles have relocated to a new hot spot to attempt to find intimacy, resources, and maybe even love. That hot spot? Don't tell me you haven't heard of it. Just kidding, it's called prison. And it's where me and three of my best girlfriends live play, shop, and of course, fuck. This is Miranda. Cut to Miranda toasting with a champagne glass while her hands are in shackles. The camera freezes on her face. Shit is always going horribly wrong for her. The camera unfreezes. She smashes the glass and dirt and wine goes everywhere. She gets in her eye and starts screaming. She knocks a candle over, sets her dress on fire, a baby cries off camera. Her doofus-looking date shakes his head, throws his napkin, and leaves the table. Miranda bites her lip and looks overwhelmed. Not again! She was my attorney in the old way of life. Now she's still great to have around for martial legal advice? She has terrible luck, but don't worry. She doesn't keep the rest of us from getting laid. And speaking of getting laid... Cut to Samantha getting her toe nibbled on by a rat while she's blindfolded, oblivious and uncaring that a rat is nibbling her toe. Oh, Humphrey, you naughty boy, you. The camera freezes on Samantha's face as she shrieks in delight. This is Samantha. 
Now, Samantha may have lost all of her assets in the final war. One thing she will never lose is her orgasm. Legend has it. Legend has it. Samantha can come with no hands and no eyes. Or at least according to blind Jimmy, no hands. Cut to Charlotte shoveling bones into an incinerator as a handsome fellow taps her shoulder. He appears to offer to do her shoveling, and she coyly accepts as other bone shovelers shake their heads in disappointment, but really it's jealousy. And this is Charlotte. All the straight guys say she's the prettiest out of the four of us, but she's really actually an enormous prude with severe anxiety and intimacy issues, proving that there's no such thing as a perfect woman, even if you are hotter than your friends. Which brings me to Lady... Cut to Carrie sitting in her cell with the other women. Ladies, I have a special treat for you this evening. It better be a hot guy. If it's going to get me waterboarded, Carrie, I want nothing to do with it. Hush now. What is it, Carrie? She reaches under her cot. Prison wine! And and while they're doing that, they're clamoring over to drink some of the stink wine. Now this is what I was talking about. Ladies, cheers! I'm Carrie Bradshaw, former New York sex columnist. But now that reading is banned, I mostly use my internal monologue to narc on my friends to the thought police. (laughs) But let me tell you, even though we're fast approaching the end of days... Being a single girl is as challenging and wild as ever. End of scene one, beginning of scene two. The girls are seated together at brunch, already deep in conversation. Look, all I'm saying is if you want a man to really love you, you have to fashion a blade from any piece of scrap metal you can find. Any kind of scrap metal I can find? To do what? Slice his face open? Cut his tongue out of his mouth? No, you gotta stab him in the juggler to kill that motherfucker dead. Oh, don't forget to cut his penis off. No, 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 you guys. I mean, you have to make a blade to shave your... Nervously gestures toward Cooch. You know, down there. Oh, please, Charlotte. Of course you don't have pubes. You've not even, you're not even grown up enough to say vagina. I am too. Then say it. Victor's Delicatessen on 39th Street. There, I said it. Are you kidding me? Miranda, leave her alone. Charlotte's right, you know. Men are fucking pedophile pervert monsters. And if we're ever going to compete with those little Satanist 20-year-olds... She gestures toward the lesbian covenant at a nearby table. Then we better have shave puss. (laughs) Oh, come... Oh, come off it, Samantha. Men are not all pedophiles. Sure, We live in a prison world where youth and beauty are a woman's only hope for a shot at that illustrious thing called love. But that does not mean that all men have been poisoned with the idea that they must only mate with hot teens with tight shaved snatch. Mm, Nope. I gotta side with Samantha here. Men are all fucking creeps. I should know. 
I have a date with one tonight. <gasps> a date? Ooh, tell all, Miss Thing. Well, you know, he's just a guy <laughs> from eight layers deep down in the pit. Look, I don't want to say much more. I don't want to say much more. I, I, I don't want to jinx it. Excellent. Uh, would anybody like to hear about my date tonight? Um, the rest shrug and mumble, whatever. Whatever. Okay, fine. I'm not going to say then. Oh, come on now, sweetie. We didn't mean it like that. Of course we want to hear about it. Who's the lucky guy? Well, have you seen the man walking around here with all the uh, sausage links draped on his person? Oh, yeah, sausage man. Sausage man? Who is sausage man? How did you ever manage to pull a date with that fine slab of meat? Technically, I haven't yet, but I've been monitoring his patterns, and I'm going to start showing up to his toilet shift and suggest he pee on me. (laughs) Then you'll be able to get a good look at his sausage. Carrie, I'm really happy for you. Do you think he's the one? If he has to pee, he's the one. But aren't you forgetting about dog? Carrie's facial expression changes. Obviously becomes uncomfortable. Look, I don't want to talk about dog, okay? That's all in the past now. But he was the love of your life. Enters flashback of Carrie drinking red wine of the man-dog hybrid. It's true. I had never met any man quite like dog before. He was perfect in every way, exactly what I wanted. Soft hair, big teeth, uh, smart, funny, best sex I ever had. Cut to a flashback of Carrie and Dog having sex. Carrie vigorously riding on top of Dog. Dog! 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 Yes! Dog! Good boy! Good boy! Oh, Oh, yes! Good boy, Dog! But unfortunately for me, he had a wandering eye and a wandering dick. Cut to a shot of dog fucking another lady. And then we cut back to present day brunch. Nope. Sadly, ladies, love doesn't exist how it used to anymore. Oh, Carrie, I believe we all have our person. You'll find him. Oh, come on, Charlotte. You can't really believe in love. That's just a tool they used to convince you to willingly produce a child for slave labor down at the sub level. Samantha, how did you get so cynical? I'm merely stating the facts here. That's why I fuck like a man. (laughs) Well, I'm very in tune with my womanhood. In fact, I'm going to redecorate my prison cell in honor of Mother's Day. Mother's Day? How can you keep track of holidays when calendars are obsolete? I don't even know how long we've been in here, let alone what day it is. Uh, Well, I don't either, but I think it's time for a holiday. Ooh, sweetie, that sounds fun. How are you going to decorate it? 
Maybe some wood details, blood, dried blood, lace. Well, it sounds lovely. Forget Mother's Day. When's happy hour? <laughs> Full shot showing the ladies laughing heartily and pointing and smiling at each other. End of scene two, beginning of scene three. Miranda wears her best prison dress for her date, but still looks frumpy. She paces around her cell nervously, biting her nails, when Bung approaches her cell. Uh, Miranda? Hi, Bung. Uh, so good to see you. My, you're looking handsome. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks. You too. So, uh, well, what should we do? Uh, I was thinking, like, maybe we could catch some bugs from the mud room, maybe watch the huge boys fight, and then, I don't know, I mean, if you're feeling up to it, we could uh, have, have sex. That was forward. Look, I'm a modern guy, Miranda. I don't have time to beat around the bush. (laughs) Oh, speaking of bush, okay, so today uh, I was at lunch with my girlfriends, and and we were discussing whether or not men find women with pubic hair. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't care what your girlfriends think, okay? What do you think? What are you into? Who is the real Miranda? Uh, Who, Miranda? Tell me. Well, uh, I'm Just Miranda. forget it. I'm tired of women in the games they play. Look, I'm sorry. You know, I thought you were sexy from the bottom of the pit. But now that we're face-to-face, I see you're just like all the rest. You're just like all the rest. Look, Bung, I don't know what you mean. All the rest who? You know, the, the other women in this prison colony. All shallow, dumb. <gasps> For your information, I have a law degree. Oh, so you think that makes you better than me? I don't think I'm better than anybody, but I won't stand to be called dumb. Yeah, I don't like your tone. Well, I don't like you. Bung embraces Miranda, kissing her passionately. Miranda is stunned. Mmm, <laughs> no, uh, that did nothing for me. Uh, please excuse me, I must be off. I have another date with that spider babe from level four. She seems like a real sex-positive feminist, not a faker like you. (gasps) Feminist? Bung leaves. Miranda returns to her cell and kicks her coat rack over. Goddamn men! End of scene three, beginning of scene four. Miranda and Samantha walk together along the main sail block, popping small bites of candy into their mouths as they stroll. All I'm saying is that something must have turned them off or he wouldn't have left you like that. No, Samantha. I did absolutely nothing this time. I didn't spill anything on him. I looked good. Did you lecture him? No. I didn't even have time to. He was gone in 30 seconds. But y'all had time to kiss? It was the strangest thing. He went from insulting me and saying that I'm dumb and worthless to kissing me and rather passionately, I might add, to telling me that I wasn't enough of a feminist for him? Well, I've certainly never gotten that one before. I don't know what the deal is with men. Is it me? Oh, no, sweetie. Of course it's not you. Men are animals. See? Look. Samantha and Miranda stop in front of a crowded cell full of men on permanent lockdown. Well, of course, these are the lowest of the low. All all violent offenders. What's your point? My point? Just watch. Samantha pulls her panties down to her ankles and lifts her skirt. The men in the cell start barking and hollering. I'm going to get myself off in front of all these manly criminals. 
Why? What does this have to do with me? Watch and learn. Samantha begins furiously masturbating as the men continue to go wild. Oh, Samantha, come on! Honey, you can go on ahead. I'm going to stay here for a while until I'm good and done. Unbelievable. Wow. Never thought I would watch my best friend masturbating in front of a whole jail before. I hope my luck stays this good. Miranda, your shrieking is ruining my orgasm. Fine. Miranda storms off angrily. Samantha laughs and wiggles as the men yell things like, What's in there? And I'm horny too! (laughs) End of scene four. Beginning of scene five. Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda all sit in Charlotte's cell. Charlotte sorts through fabric scraps as Carrie smokes a cigarette and Miranda paces behind them. I just don't understand how the date could have gone so badly. Bung seemed like such a great guy. A great guy? He was unbelievable. I don't understand how I can have such terrible luck with men. Did you remember to shave your pussy? Carrie, language. I shaved my pussy! Well, what else could it be? It's not me, is it? No. Honey, no. Of course not. Well, when I tried to tell Samantha, she started masturbating in front of a cell of the worst convicts. (laughs) Well, that's Samantha for you. She is so brave. Speaking of brave, I saw Sausage Man earlier today. I can't wait to wrap my legs around that hot hunk of man. Carrie, if you don't mind, I really don't want to hear about Sausage Man right now, or any man. I just want them all to die. Oh, be nice, Miranda. Carrie didn't mean any harm. He was bulging. Carrie, stop. Miranda, how about you help me pick out the fabric for my Mother's Day draping? Can't something be about me for once? I'm trying to tell you guys about my traumatizing date, and all you want to do is talk about men and fabric. Sweetie, I was only making conversation. There's no need to get hostile. You know what? I've had enough. I'm going to go blow off some steam and throw some bones into the furnace. Miranda, wait! What? Can you just tell me which is better, the faux denim or the banana skin? I don't care about your stupid drapes. Miranda! You should go. I was already on my way out. Miranda leaves the cell. Oh, bites her nails. End of scene five, beginning of scene six. Miranda is shoveling bones in the furnace where Dita, one of the members of the lesbian coven, works near her. Miranda takes a big scoop of bones and turns around, bumming into Dita and spilling all of her bones. Oh, Christ, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Hey, don't worry about it. Accidents happen. Noticing Miranda's distress. Hey, are you all right? (sighs) Yeah. It's just I had an awful date and then my friends weren't very supportive. Bad date. Been there. (laughs) The worst. The worst man I've ever gone out with. The worst man? How is that possible? They are all so terrible. Have you ever had a man tell you you weren't feminist enough for him? Um, Well, actually, I don't date men. (laughs) Oh, then who do you date? Women? Oh, of course. I'm I'm sorry. My friends and I are so wrapped up in so much of our heterosex lives, I nearly forgot that there was a, a better alternative. 
<laughs> Have you ever been with a woman? Well, once in college. Did you like it? Honestly, I I don't think it was that bad. No worse than Pete or Frank or Donkey anyway. Pete? Frank? Donkey? Those are some crazy names. Yeah, I guess so. What's yours? She reaches her hand out to shake. I'm Dita. What's your name? Miranda. Well, Miranda, if you're interested, me and my girlfriends are having a gathering tonight. Maybe you can join us? Oh, uh, what kind of gathering? Well, it's more like a sacred ritual. You've seen my friends before, right? There's five of us, and we're actually looking for a sixth member to harness more power from the Dark Lord. So y'all are witches! We were wondering why five attractive young ladies weren't stealing all of our guys. We are a lesbian witch cult, yes. No men allowed. That sounds wonderful. So you'll come? I promise you'll have an amazing time. You know what? I will. I haven't had fun in what feels like an eternity, and I definitely need new friends. All right, Miranda. All right, Miranda. See you at 10 o'clock. Wear something you can dance in. Dita walks away. Miranda smiles to herself. End of scene six, beginning of scene seven. While Miranda was making new friends, I was focused on making a new friend myself. Carrie follows Sausage Man around, hiding behind corners. Sausage Man turns around and sees her following him and makes a funny face at her. Carrie gasps and hides. That ends scene seven, begins scene eight. While I was trying to make a new friend, Miranda was about to make some new friends herself. Miranda and the cult, Dita, Rita, Vita, Lita, and Amanda, sit around a fire chanting quietly. Miranda looks uneasy as the rest of the cult has their eyes closed and hold hands. Ladies, I would like to introduce you all to our new friend, Miranda. Hey, Miranda. Hi, Miranda. Miranda, <clears throat> this is Rita, Vita, Lita, and Amanda. We're all blood and juice sisters. She gestures to a vial on her neck. Juice? Pussy juice. We're bound together by each other's goos. Terrific. Miranda, are you a lesbian? Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess I... Miranda has never been with a... With, Miranda has been with women before. I think she would make a great fit. We've never had a redhead before. Um, are you sure? She looks nervous. Yeah, our magic is perfectly strong with just the five of us. Yeah, we already have the pentagram. Six might fuck us up. No, six is the divine number. We'll be complete with six. I say we see how she does an initiation. Shut up, Vita. You don't get a say. 
As the freshest blood member, you don't get to speak during the ritual until you memorize every chant. But you can if Miranda's a member. Well, Miranda, do you want to be a member? Do you have what it takes? I'm so sorry. What is it exactly that you do here? Watch. The group joins hands and starts whispering. Wine appears from thin air into a bowl. Wow, is that wine? Yes, Miranda. Try it. Miranda sips the wine from the bowl. How do you like it, Miranda? Oh my god, I haven't had red wine in ages. Yes, with our radical pussy power, we can make wine out of thin air. That is amazing. Yeah, our magic is the most powerful in this whole prison. I didn't even know there was magic in this prison. But wait, I'm, I'm no witch. I don't have magic. I, I, I don't think I'll be of any service to you. That's where initiation comes in. First, you take a second vow. Then, we chant you in. Then, we drink. Then, we celebrate. Then, we do magic. Wait, drink, then celebrate? <laughs> well, yes. By celebrate, <laughs> we mean have an orgy. It's sort of a hazing process. Jeez. Oh, um, what, 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 what do I have to do? Well, I'm the leader of the coven, so my pussy will be the last one to eat. You will start with Vita, our rookie, then Lita, then Rita, then Dita, then myself. Then, in that order, we will all go down on you and do anything else for you that you could possibly want. Sexually? Yes. <laughs> well, all right, I, I, I guess I'm in. Okay. A montage of Miranda vowing, The coven is cool, the coven, the coven is, is sacred, sacred. only the, the coven has seen me naked. And in the coven, I swear I trust from every lick to every thrust. Next, the rest of the coven surrounds Miranda, chanting, Coven! Coven! It's hot in my oven! As they drape her with white fabric and burn sage around her head. Then they all drink from the bowls, then more rapid footage of Miranda diving between the legs of the other girls as they kiss her and pour milk on her head. Miranda screams in ecstasy. End of scene eight, end of performance. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, ladies. Sex in the apocalypse. Um, I want to thank you all for joining us tonight. This has been the pilot episode of Nerd Love. If you're interested in podcasts recorded here in Houston by local Houston artists, uh, comedians, and other venues, please take a look at the Mockingbird Network. And I also want to especially thank Station Theater, especially Roger Anderson, who did tech, and uh, everybody else who's been involved with this. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful night. Good night, everyone. You can go. You can all go. Go home.
Mockingbird Network.